Chapter 91 of The Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas. The translator is unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Timmerman Vaughan. Chapter 91 The Execution. Jeanne waited for her counsel to come and announce her fate, but being now at ease, she said to herself, What do I care that I am thought more guilty than Monsieur de Rouen? I am banished, that is to say, I can carry away my million and a half with me and live under the orange trees of Seville during the winter and in Germany or England in the summer. Then I can tell my own story, and young, rich, and celebrated, live as I please among my friends. Pleasing herself with these notions, she commenced setting all her future plans, the disposal of her diamonds, and her establishment in London. This brought to her mind Monsieur Reteau. Poor fellow, thought she, it is he who pays for all. Someone must suffer and it always falls on the humblest instrument. Poor Rateau pays now for his pamphlets against the Queen. He has led a hard life of blows and escapes, and now it terminates with the galleys. She dined with Monsieur and Madame Hubert, and was quite gay, but they did not respond and were silent and uneasy. Jeanne, however, felt so happy that she cared little for their manner toward her. After dinner, she asked, when they were coming to read her sentence, Monsieur Hubert said they were probably waiting till she returned to her room. She therefore rose to go, when Madame Hubert ran to her and took her hands, looking at her with an expression of so much pity and sympathy that it struck her for a moment with terror. She was about to question her, but Hubert took her hand and led her from the room. When she reached her own apartment, she found eight soldiers waiting outside. She felt surprised, but went in, and allowed the man to lock her in, as usual. Soon, however, the door opened again, and one of the turnkeys appeared. "'Will Madame please to follow me?' he said. "'Where? Below? What for? What do they want with me?' "'Madame, Monsieur Violet, your counsel, wishes to speak to you. Why does he not come here?' "'Madame, he has received letters from Versailles, and wishes to show them to you.' "'Letters from Versailles?' thought Jeanne. Perhaps the Queen has interested herself for me since the sentence was passed. Wait a little, she said, till I arrange my dress. In five minutes she was ready. Perhaps, she thought, Monsieur Violier has come to get me to leave France at once, and the Queen is anxious to facilitate the departure of so dangerous an enemy. She followed the turnkey downstairs, and they entered a room, which looked like a vault. It was damp and almost dark. Sir, said she, trying to overcome her terror. Where is Monsieur Villiers? The man did not reply. What do you want? continued she. Have you anything to say to me? You have chosen a very singular place for a rendezvous. We are waiting for Monsieur Villiers, he replied. It is not possible that Monsieur Villiers should wish for me to wait for him here. All at once another door, which Jeanne had not before observed, opened, and three men entered. Jeanne looked at them in surprise and with growing terror. One of them, who was dressed in black, with a roll of papers in his hand, advanced, and said, You are Jean de Saint-Rémy de Valois, wife of Marie-Antoinette, Comte de la Motte? Yes, sir. Born at Fontette, on the 22nd of July, 1756? Yes, sir. You live at Paris, Rue Saint-Claude? Yes, sir, but why these questions? Madame, I am the registrar of the court, and I am come to read to you the sentence of the court of the 31st of May, 1786. Jean trembled again, and now looked at the other two men. One had a grey dress with steel buttons. The other, 
a fur cap on, and an apron, which seemed to her spotted with blood. She drew back, but the registrar said, "'On your knees, madame, if you please.' "'On my knees?' cried Jean. "'I, a Valois. "'It is the order, madame. "'But, sir, it is an unheard-of thing, "'except where some degrading sentence has been pronounced, "'and banishment is not such. "'I did not tell you you were sentenced to banishment,' "'he said gravely. "'But to what, then?' I will tell you, madame, when you are on your knees. Never. Madame, I only follow my instructions. Never, I tell you. Madame, it is the order that when the condemned refuse to kneel, they should be forced to do it. Forced to a woman. There is no distinction in the eyes of justice. Ah, cried Jeanne, this is the queen's doings. I recognize the hands of an enemy. You are wrong to accuse the queen. She has nothing to do with the orders of the court. Come, madame, I beg you to spare me the necessity of violence, and kneel down. Never! And she planted herself firmly in a corner of the room. The registrar then signed to the two other men, who, approaching, seized her, and in spite of her cries, dragged her into the middle of the room. But she bounded up again. Let me stand, said she, and I will listen patiently. Madame, whenever criminals are punished by whipping, they kneel to receive the sentence. Whipping! screamed Jeanne. "'Miserable wretch! How dare you!' The men forced her on her knees once more, and held her down, but she struggled so furiously that they called out, "'Read quickly, monsieur, for we cannot hold her.' "'I will never hear such an infamous sentence,' she cried, and indeed she drowned his voice so effectually with her screams, that although he read, not a word could be heard. He replaced his papers in his pocket, and she, thinking he had finished, stopped her cries. Then he said, and the sentence shall be executed at the place of executions, cour de justice. Publicly, screamed she. Monsieur de Paris, I deliver you this woman, said the registrar, addressing the man with a leathern apron. Who is this man? cried Jeanne in a fright. The executioner, replied the registrar. The two men then took hold of her to lead her out, but her resistance was so violent that they were obliged to drag her along by force and she never ceased uttering the most frantic cries. They took her thus into the court called Cour de Justice, where there was a scaffold, and which was crowded with spectators. On a platform, raised about eight feet, was a post garnished with iron rings, and with a ladder to mount it. This place was surrounded with soldiers. When she appeared, cries of, Here she is, mingled with much abuse, were heard from the crowd. Numbers of the partisans of Monsieur de Rouen had assembled to hoot her, and cries of Abba la Motte, the forger, were heard on every side, and those who tried to express pity for her were soon silenced. Then she cried in a loud voice, Do you know who I am? I am of the blood of your kings. They strike in me, not a criminal, but a rival, not only a rival, but an accomplice. Yes, replied she, as the people kept silence to kept listen. An accomplice. They punish one who knows the secrets of. Take care interrupted the registrar. She turned and saw the executioner with a whip in his hand. At this sight she forgot her desire to captivate the multitude, and even her hatred, and sinking on her knees, she said, Have pity, and seized his hand. But he raised the other, and let the whip fall lightly on her shoulders. She jumped up, and was about to try and throw herself off the scaffold, when she saw the other man, who was drawing from the fire a hot iron. At this sight she uttered a perfect howl, which was echoed by the people. Help, help, she cried, trying to shake off the cord with which they were tying her hands. 
the executioner at last forced her on her knees and tore open her dress but she cried with a voice which was heard through all the tumult cowardly frenchman you do not defend me but let me be tortured oh it is my own fault if i had said all i knew of the queen i should have been she could say no more for she was gagged by the attendants then two men held her while the executioner performed his office at the touch of the iron she fainted and was carried back insensible to the conciergerie when the crowd gradually dispersed end of chapter ninety one